Recorded live in Balcata, Western Australia, the hoon capital of the world, this is Talking Power. Gap is what happens uh, when you hold to the floor and crush the man next to you. There's space in between your back bumper and your front bumper. We, uh, in the South, we refer to it as the Gap Band. Well, I think, you know, Formula One is for grown-ups. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 21 of the Talk and Power podcast. This is a best of podcast for 2017. I trust you all had a great Christmas and a good new year and your 2018 has started off well. Um, for, those of you, for those of you that don't know, 2017 was actually our first year in podcasting and our first recording was on the 4th of April in 2017. Uh, 20 episodes later, here we are, we've been recording every two weeks, and while it's only been nine months, I think we've improved somewhat. Let's just have a listen to our first recording, the opening segment. G'day everyone out there in the World Wide Web. Welcome to our new automotive podcast called Talkin' Power. If it's got wheels, we have something to say about it. With me is our co-host Simon Gonzo Travellini. And I'm Nick DeCembri. How are you, Simon? Good, mate. Pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for inviting me, mate. No problems at all. You're the influential person in the Perth drag racing scene. Why wouldn't we have you here? I think the only influence I have is a bad influence. I didn't want to say that. I'm, you know me. I'm trying to be diplomatic at the very least. Diplomatic, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Whatever the opposite of diplomatic is, that's mm-hmm. what I would be. <laughs> that is true. No one's disputing that. I think it was safe to say that the uh, comedy was uh, less than witty and um, some of the recording was, mm, for a lack of a better term, somewhat agricultural. But anyway, we we made attempts in, in improving that and I, I felt we've done that over over the past nine months. Some of the things we wanted to focus on in our podcast was predominantly drag racing, um, Formula One, V8 supercars, um, MotoGP, and a number of other motorsports. Um, drag racing is probably what Simon and myself are probably most knowledgeable in. Let's just have a listen to some of the drag racing uh, commentary we've had over the past nine months. <laughs> I, I, w- I would have to say that I believe Damien Harris is the quickest hoon over the quarter mile in he the world. He is now. He is. Yep, that is official. Let's just listen to it as it happened. Australia. And it won't be Larry. This is Damien Harris! 4.44! 4. 
some confusion over the time there. 443, 444, 43, 44. It was a, a 444. Now, now, you know that mm. this is a, you know, it's a bit of a, uh, I guess, a emotional moment for me because who was tuning the car, Nick? Who did they have over to tune the car? Lee Beard. Yeah, Lee Beard. Lee That's Beard, correct, the yeah. man with the best hairstyle in all of drag racing. Yeah, he's got the best <laughs> hairstyle, eh? I love it when he walks past the headers and it kind of flicks up there like a <laughs> some sort of uh, shampoo ad. Yeah, he's the silver fox, eh? <laughs> he's a legend. He's, he's uh, I wouldn't say he's my all-time favourite crew chief, but he's definitely up there. There's yeah, no doubt about yeah. it. Uh, incredible achievement. Um, once again, like the early days of Top Fuel in Australia, putting Australia on the map worldwide. Mm. Uh, I know that you know, they don't run to uh, 1320 anymore. Uh, for those of you that don't know, that's the, the length of the quarter mile in feet. They only run to 1,000 feet in America these days, but still massive achievement. Yeah. Um, good on those guys. And, you know, we all know how much it costs to run fuel. Mm. So, yeah. you know, outstanding. Uh, but, you know me, I'm a doorman. Yeah. John yeah. Zapier, off the trailer. Yeah. Off the trailer, Nick. 564. It was an incredible achievement, one that I think hasn't been really highlighted. It kind of slipped under the radar, that one. This 40, the, the top fuel run was up there in lights, but Zap64 didn't seem to hit the lofty heights of social media that I would expect it to. Nick, it's, it's not just that he ran a 64, mm. it's that he did it first pass <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean like you can do a run and get out there with your traction meter and look at the air and go oh you know we can do this we can do that but if he did that on his first run where was he going was he going for a, like a 58 or <laughs> well I don't know if that I think that was his second run the first run was an abort he, he oh, had a misfire okay. yeah, oh. did, in, the, in the burnout it shut down oh, and right, had a misfire but, but, that but was technically his... that was his first pass correct yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, is John Zapier? What can we say? You know, he, he, he is going places, and he literally is going places. He is. So, we had the official confirmation this week from uh, Noonan Racing that John Zapier will be participating in the last three PDRA races over in the US with a Jerry Bickle '69 Camaro Pro Mod. So. I mean, it, you know a bit about the motor or the... Interesting, sorry. interesting to know. Mm. Mark Savage, the yep. cruise for Stevie, Stevie Fast, he used to work on this car. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Zap and I have been talking about this for a while because uh, he did think about switching to a converter, of which I said to him, bro, you've been using clutches your entire life. And, yeah. You know. So I believe that they're in the process of converting the car to a clutch. Yep. And uh, shout out to Bonafonte, because I think Bonafonte is supplying the clutch for the car. Yep. It's going to run a B&J. Yep. And yes, as you've noted, the new Noonan 4.9 bore spacing engine. Yep. Um, you know, he's going to be representing Australia in more ways than one, because it's obviously it's an Australian engine mm. and Australian driver, Australian team. Uh, both of us wish you all the best, Zap. We hope that um, you can go there and show them how fast these things can really go. Yeah, yep. And uh, stick it up to turbo cars. Oh, oh, let, let's just have a listen to, to John Force. It just and, rings uh, in the tune-up. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's what's going on there. Downloads it on, iPod, on, on his iPad. Probably just swipes right. <laughs> just sends just it. Just like Tinder. <laughs> Tinder. Let's have a listen to John Force and his wife straight after Brittany's race, after winning her championship. John and Lori sharing a special moment right now as they just watched their daughter become the 2017 Tokyo World Champion. John, as a father, as a team owner, what does this mean to you? Just really proud. She's been so sick all week. And I told her, I, like when she was little, I'd take that little sickness out of her belly. And Mom said that's what Dad always did. Talk to Mom. Mom, for you, you've, you've been out here, you've watched your girls, you, they started at the bottom, they're here now. What does this mean? Oh my gosh, well, I, I never thought, I never thought this would really happen. I mean, I just wanted her to be safe, and I thought, if you can hang on to number two, I'd be like so excited. I, I just, I don't know, it's just too much. I, I'm so excited for her. She's worked really hard, and so is her team, so, wow, good for her and Monster. Congratulations to your family. I look, you know, they won top fuel. Mm. They won funny car. They did, but let's look at the. No I want to. I want to. I haven't got the numbers in the notes, but the the countdown system still. This is kind of like the Western Bulldogs of 2016. The reality is that <laughs> Steve Torrance won eight races this year. Brittany only won four, but she, in fairness. She won them when she needed to win them. She won three of her four wins in the countdown. Yeah, but the the reason they introduced the countdown was so that it was still a championship, mm. you know, towards the end of the season. Because what used to happen was John Force, Greg Anderson, Warren Johnson years ago, they'd yeah. go out there, they'd win like, you know, 10 races in a row, and that was the championship wrapped up halfway mm. through the season. Yeah. I... I, I liked the old system not because these guys could come in and dominate but because i think that all the teams had to focus on well you know what we've got to figure out a way to beat them mm. you know and you look at moto gp came down to the last yeah you know arguably it came down to the last few laps mm. because yep. um but we'll get on to that we will um look you know we've got it in nascar yeah, yeah, we've got it in NHRA. We're probably going to end up with it in the V8 supercars. Well, we and we. I mean, like I said, I don't want to. I don't want to take anything away from the Force family. I think they're great. They. She won the races when she needed to win it. Let's list, listen to Steve Torrance. What he had to say about the whole deal. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. You know. I mean, this whole NHRA deal with the welfare point system is just a crock of crap. I mean, you come out here and you race for 24 races and you only get to count six and. Brittany got hot in the last few races and did good. I mean, you can't take that away from them, but those guys wouldn't even be in contention if it wasn't for this point system they got. So, I mean, it is what we what it is. We got to play by the rules, but it, it really doesn't it doesn't go to show how how much of all those guys over there are champions on this race team. I dropped the ball, uh, was late on the tree, but you know, you got to race a guy like Antron, and 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 I just I just messed up. But congrats to Brittany, great job. She won the championship. You know, it is what it is, but it's still bull. <laughs> Congratulations to Brittany, but this is bullshit. It is, it is what it is. He's been listening to our podcast. Yeah, it was PA. <laughs> We've, I think that it is what it is has come out three or four times in this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we had a similar situation. I don't want to highlight three, it too. Three or four times in this episode. What you, oh, I didn't even say it. Anyway, 
I, I would rather be in Harry's shoes than in Larry Dixon's shoes at the moment. Well, he's in a bit of hot water, isn't he? So for those of you that don't know, his NHRA licence has been indefinitely suspended. That's you... that's a big thing, indefinitely. It's a huge, that's a big yeah, word. Yeah, it is. It is. Now, he's in breach of violating NHRA rules, uh, section 1.3.1, participant conduct, and 1.6.3, chassis inspection of the 2017 NHRA rule book. He has used an NHRA chassis tag on an unauthorised and unapproved two-seater drag stun. What does that mean? So what it basically <laughs> means is that Larry had modified the car. It was an, a car that was licensed previously. He modified the car to become a two-seater, and that sticker was left on the vehicle inadvertently. But it was an expired sticker. That's correct, yeah. So you're not allowed to leave it on there for nostalgia purposes? No, no. Apparently not. No. So, you know, like I, I haven't... I've seen this car floating around in background shots. Mm. Did they cut it and put a section in for the passenger or have they just moved the driver's compartment or, you know, built another driver's compartment in front? That's correct. They moved the driver's compartment in front, put, put, put him in front. So... The passenger sits between him yeah, and Yeah, I know, engine. but if they added the passenger section... No. The passenger section remained as... The, the old yeah. driver's cockpit. Yeah, and... Well, the, you know, because the tubing... Oh, I'm not a full bottle, I don't build dragsters, mm. but the... From memory, the tubing around the driver's compartment is considerably different to the rest of the chassis. Mm. So I'm just wondering how they oh. went about that. The, the thing is, this car has run. This car has run in that unofficial testing, so it's not as if this car was debuted at SEMA uh, without it being run. It had run, uh, I think, three times in a private test session. Yeah, but they, they just walk in and, like, you know, hire the track. It's not yeah, on, that's on the NHRA's insurance. No, 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 or... that, that's correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was interesting. Um, we played a bit of Shift and Steer podcast two weeks ago on our podcast about their interpretation of what right-hand drive controls oh, are. Yeah. Anyway, these guys are at it again. I think they may have had something to do with Larry's, with Larry's demise. Let's just have a listen to them here. Hey, Mike. Now, did you know that uh, Larry Dixon, top fuel, three-time champion that's been on our show, that he's here with a big debut this weekend. Did yeah, you guys know this? Right. No, what's Larry got going on? I well, heard. let me just tell you, you could get your top fuel license with uh, Larry. He has a brand new dragster over at the Traxxas booth that is a dual dragster. You ride in a top fuel dragster. Right. And I, when he was developing this, he started a couple years ago, and he said to me, he goes, he goes I go, so you're going to tune it down? And he goes, hell no, it's going 300 miles an hour. Oh. Wait a minute. So you ride That's shotgun awesome. with Larry Dixon because right? well, I've seen his literally. car explode. <laughs> I've seen his car bust in half. I've seen his car spin around and do a 360 in the middle of the track and keep going. He's got a well, good there policy. You go. well, he's you got a good sure policy. This is the right it's idea? a thrill ride. It's like it's like the podcast that, that we do over at Bonspeed Media, which is Dixon's Wild Ride. Yeah, you know what? It'd be great because, I mean, you've seen it happen at the track when Larry's racing. You can yeah. actually be in the car when yeah. it happens. Yeah, yeah. first 
point. You can first person it. point of view. Larry Dixon's waiver for this just says, ha, 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 sign here. <laughs> it says sucker. Yeah, it, it says detach, detach like, retina insurance. It's the yeah. laughing, crying, laughing emoji, and then that's it. Well, you can ask him because he's going to be on the show on Friday, so you can yeah. ask him. Good, we're going to razz him. Because, because it's, it sounds wickedly fun because oh, absolutely. you are riding behind him. And so you are oh, you have you have the motor right behind you, you know. I mean, it's like Larry's no fool. Yeah. He goes, "Hey, man, I'm gonna get a little space between me and that power." Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know everything that they said about him spinning out, and you know, I was just <laughs> reminiscing over those images. So um, I, I think if those guys had their time again, they might have choose their words wisely. I don't, I'm not saying it's their fault, but obviously it, uh, um, an indefinite suspension is, is pretty... I, pretty I just can't believe it for having a tech sticker. The tech sticker was on that car already. Mm, that's correct, yeah. Yeah, but it's not teched for... No, but it was expired. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, I don't know. I don't is, know. It is what it is, as you say. Yeah, I... Um, I don't know if I would want to ride shotgun. No, I don't think I would too. I'd love to go on a door slammer, but I, I don't know about a fueler. You know, because when those things explode, there's a lot of fire going on there. Mm, and, it, and it's usually getting sucked yeah. into the cockpit. <laughs> it's not really... Uh, no. No. But you know what? He is one of my uh, favourite mm. fuel drivers. He just seems like such a nice guy. Yeah, and it's just incredible yeah. that uh, the NHRA would... Mm would do something as dramatic as to him. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, he's kind of, yeah. Anyway. With Simon working so closely in the drag racing industry in Western Australia, he was able to find out lots of information. And on several occasions, we actually broke news on the podcast before it became public knowledge. Let's listen to a couple of those breaking news stories. As far as WA goes, I've got another bombshell for you, Nick. You haven't told me. No, I haven't told you anything. This is unscripted, folks. This is unscripted. And the reason I haven't told you is because, like I said to you, some of the stuff I'm going to bring up, I want to get your instant reaction, you know? So, um, the Perth Motorplex. Yeah. Okay, so I have got some groundbreaking information. So, absolutely, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, like this this is hot off the press. Like, so hot off the press, they haven't even printed it yet. Uh, Rod Britton is gone. Really? Yep. Now, okay. Is that it? Is that no. the reaction I'm going to no, get? No, no, no. I'm, I'm really nervous about posting a <laughs> podcast and he doesn't know. Does Who, he? Rod? Rod. No, no, he's yeah. working in Sydney. So, anyway, so Rod's gone and yep. Ray Treasure's back. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, wow, that's awesome. uh, I've been talking to races over... Well, I've only been back in Perth the last couple of days. And um, we're looking forward to a massive season... Uh, this year of some awesome racing. A lot of the guys that haven't raced for a long time are coming back, specifically because they they couldn't deal with... uh, um, I don't want to call him Noddy. Uh, His real name is Kevin Prendergast. Couldn't deal with Kevin or uh, Rod Britton. Now, now personally, I've got to say this, right? I had a few run-ins with Rod uh, over the time. Yep. Um, But the track prep was pretty good yeah right? the only thing like we've discussed this before the time that it took for cleanups mm. w- was pretty average and the track prep on the wednesday nights oh my god like it was incredible but uh ray as you know is is you know 
like he, he he's he's a bit of a god when it comes to yeah. this sort of thing. So, um, and I'm sure that the Wednesday nights, because he's a big fan of the streetcar racing, is, I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure that the Wednesday nights are going to be just as good. So I'm looking forward to uh, this coming season. Uh, I, I I don't know how much time I'm going to get to uh, spend down there now that I'm married. <laughs> So I've got to I've got to do my duties as a husband, but uh, bombshell. Ray Trish is back. Rod's gone. I don't know who they've they've got an interim uh, manager overseeing the place. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he's an awesome guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he was already in the venues where system. Yeah. Uh, he's more of a like rock band type promoter guy. Well known worldwide on the international yeah, okay. stage, right? Uh, but he's only there in the interim till they hire a proper manager. Mm. So there you go. You heard it first on Talk and Power. For, for the uninitiated or our listeners that are out of the... Listen for other sports like MotoGP, V8 supercars and, and Formula One and what, whatever. Ray Treasure is an absolute gentleman, a scholar, and what he doesn't know about track preparation isn't worth knowing. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with that. Yeah. <laughs> But he's, above all, just a great guy. And I don't know I've said it. He's a gentleman. And uh, I think, you know, if he's come back, watch watch this space. Yeah, I yeah. Think. It's a good... Look, I think that if, we, if Andrew survives this, you know, whatever you want to call it, whether it's a good move or a bad move or whatever, we'll call it the good all move. <laughs> <laughs> if, if Andrew survives the good all move... Um, and with Ray back in WA, I think that the drag racing in WA is going to, certainly from a competitor's point of view, it's going to move forward. Now, the thing that everyone needs to realise is that basically everyone that competes down there brings 10 spectators with That's them. That's right. Yep. right. So if you get 100 more competitors, you get 1,000 more spectators, mm. right? And then those spectators generally have mates that come along, and it doesn't take long for that 1,000 to turn into 2,500. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be a good season. I've, I've heard unofficially, and, mm. and I, I, can't, I can't say that this is definite, but I've heard unofficially that the drift cars are gone. <laughs> Oh God, you'll be happy about that, won't <laughs> oh, you? God, you know, look, I got nothing against drifting. I think it's an incredible sport, incredible skill level. I, I certainly don't think that I could ever do it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure that those people that come to the drags pay to watch drag racing, and and I believe that they're gonna everything that we talked about in the in the early episodes about having videos going showing the technical mm. aspect and uh, getting more discussion about how and why and what kind of effort and dollars etc is involved in getting these cars to go down the track I, like I've been told that they're going to focus on that so when there's an oil down they're going to get it cleaned up faster yep. and they're going to try and use that time to educate the crowd rather than you know because the thing was you know part of the reason I didn't know this until today part of the reason that it took so long to do the cleanups is because they weren't allowed to be in certain areas while the drift cars were on. Oh God! So what's the point of having the drift cars no, that's on? That's right. You yeah. know. No, so no. Anyway, it, it really is a big thing for WA drag racing, and like I said, if we can keep Andrew going mm. and and have Ray uh, running the show locally, and hopefully have an overall manager 
that isn't going to conflict with Ray because if we get someone in there that conflicts with Ray, forget it. Ray yeah. will walk. He doesn't yeah. need it, yeah. right? Um, I think we've got some exciting times ahead for this yeah. season. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, pro mod, mm. right? Before we get into um, uh, Stevie Fast and you know, what's happened, yeah, um, I was on the phone, mm. and and uh, you don't know we haven't discussed this. This is not in the right? notes. No, Simon. it's not in the notes. Where are we going here? I was on the phone to my contact in the US. Yeah, right. And uh, we, you know, I was basically, you know, me. I'm having a cry that they dropped the overdrive limits, right? Mm. Yep. Okay, so this is how it came to be, and this is pretty spun out. So, Castellana, mm-hmm. as, as you know, ran really fast, yep. right? I think he actually reset the national record, is 68, that correct? 68, yeah. Yeah, okay. They went and checked his car, mm-hmm. right? You were allowed 20 over then, yep. right? He was running 16 and a half. You're joking. No. Nah. No, nah. and that was the NHRA said, whoa, what the... So, now, whether he's figured out that that's an efficient place for it to be or whatever, that was why they made the call, but... This particular contact, he said to me, he goes, you know, this used to happen every year, even with the IHRA. Beginning of the season, they play around with the overdrives through mm. the middle of the season, right? The, the air changes, and back in those days, there wasn't any turbo cars, but the nitrous guys would go fast through the middle because they bring their atmosphere in a bottle. Yeah. Right? And what did we see at the last meeting? Right? Look at the mile an hour on mm. the turbo cars compared to the blown cars. Yeah. So, you know... I mean, it was interesting that he reset the record at 16 and a half over, but I think it's going to be interesting through the middle of the season to see what happens because I think the nitrous guys are going to step up and probably the turbo guys too. Yeah, right. Still in drag racing mode, one of my favourite episodes was actually episode 18 where we got to speak with the legendary John Zapier. It was a 45-minute interview. We've managed to condense it down on this special podcast down to about eight minutes but let's just listen to some of the highlights of the john zapier interview john i um but i just want to uh change direction for a second with the conversation um first of all congratulations on the world record and and also congratulations on resetting the australian record um i've always wanted to know this For, for me when my first experience drag racing when I was 15, I remember I was uh, the old wooden boxes at Ravenswood. I was paying for my ticket and I heard this noise. It was like a, a roar with a whistle in the background. And I, I ran up, up the stairs and you were doing one of your trademark three-quarter track burnouts. And at, at that point, I realised that I wanted to go drag racing. Did you, did you have a moment like that uh, early on in your career? You know, like were you at the track one day and thought, I, I want to give this a go? Oh, for sure. Look, I went to, I went there with my dad when I was 14. Uh, my older brothers were already there. Richard and Joe were there, already there. And you know, I went with Dad, and he stayed there for a while. And back in those days, I think we had the St. Lawrence Dragster and you know, probably Cowan running a blown altars or something. And um, we got to see a little bit of it, and then Dad wanted to go home. And I was like, oh. I was crushed and so I had to go home. Couldn't stay with me brothers because everyone was a bit rowdy in those days. <laughs> so uh, as soon as I um, as soon as I got my license, I was down there. <laughs> Sunday street beatings. There is a um, 
there is a famous, world famous pass that uh, we, we've discussed it a few times. I think we've, we've played audio from it. It's on our introduction of our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> and it's uh, when you race Brenda McSweeney uh, at uh, Calder yeah. Park. <laughs> when when you got out on the yeah. grass, <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing here? I didn't get out of there, so I hit the throttle and the tail come around and I got off it and I went back on the track and I hit the throttle again. And it just didn't feel like it was pulling right. I didn't realise I'd blown a big hole in the front end and it was catching wind and, you know, there was all sand and weeds coming out of the car behind me and that. So, um, yeah, got the wind and it was all good fun. But that, that was actually, it wasn't actually Wild Bunch. It was... That was Exhibition uh, that of was Top Door Slammer. Top Door Slammer mm. meeting. That was the first... Top Door Slammer meeting, the very first one. Mm. Yeah, at the Australian Nationals. Well, I think it was fitting for you and to win that, it. So that's... that was pretty cool. <laughs> it was pretty cool. John, I want to take you back just a couple of years before that. That's when I started going to the drags. I went to the drags for the first time. It was late 1992. You were racing a gentleman called from the US called Wayne Torkelson. And I remember finally yeah. going to the drags and thinking, oh, well, this guy's from America. And the perception has always been... I guess for new people that the Americans lead the way. That evening, I think from yeah. memory, you blitzed him three nil. Correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I think he got one in because my parachute. Your parachutes out. did come out and very early. I nearly early. beat him with my parachutes. Yeah. <laughs> you did. You did. Yes, that's right. So that was the only one he beat me. I think he just he did a. seven zero, and um. I must have run a bit slower because the parachutes out. But then after that, we went like six fifties, and yeah. he was just—he was still in the sevens, you know. Yeah. Um, the the other one that also came out was Kurt Coons. Kurt Coons, yeah. Yeah. Prior to that, and you know, we ran six fifty four, six fifty sixes, and that back then, and and um, you know, we beat Kurt as well in Perth. Yeah. And we went Adelaide and top qualified and. And then, and then we didn't finish the rest of the tour that they went on to Willowbank and Sydney that I couldn't couldn't make that. But um, yeah, no, it was it was pretty cool, and uh, yeah, he copped a bit of a stir. And and actually, one of that meeting, there was actually a heap of American sailors in. And they all come down to see Australia versus USA. So yeah. we did. <laughs> Um, t-shirt sales that lady <laughs> yeah. no you, you did us proud john you did us proud <laughs> do you do you you know have you felt over the last 10 years because i mean let's face it here in australia a lot of the competitors that you've beaten year after year have had extraordinary budgets compared to yours have you felt from time to time like you've had a huge target on your back and everyone's trying to gun you down oh Sure. I mean, they're, they're all spending millions of dollars now and uh, trying to beat us. And, uh, you know, there, there was that many American tuners brought into Top Door Slammer for Sydney meeting. Um, so, yeah, there was probably the most contingent of American tuners over here trying to tune people up, people spending big dollars, people, <laughs> you know, there's... There's a lot been thrown at it over the years, and they, they've they've upped the ante of late, and uh, you know there's definitely a bigger a bigger attack, more cars that are quality, 
you know, some people have said, oh, we've got no competition over there. And maybe that, that was true in a sense so many years ago, but I'm telling you now, it's, uh, it's stepping up big time. You know, when you had, you know, three or four cars running a low seven meters, and, mm. you know, Scotty McLean running the 65, and, I mean, they're there. And they're, they're not leaving much on the table. We just, we just got to keep putting the pressure on. Yeah. They're going fast. As soon as we go fast, that puts the pressure on them that they're not doing the right thing and then they start trying to. Uh, One thing I've noticed yep. about your crew, I've been going to the drags, as I said, since 92. A lot of those guys are the same guys from back in 92 and probably yep. a lot earlier than that as well. So, you know, yep. I think yep. that's yep. the key. Same guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're the same guys and, you know, I've taken them around the country and... Uh, Sometimes you get a little bit of a holiday between racing, but not not very much. But um, they've, you know, I suppose they've been excited by our performances, and that's kept them enthused to keep yeah. on uh, helping. The same as the same with the sponsors; everyone wants to back a winner, mm. and uh, so no, it's been really good. And then, and those guys have all stayed with us, and they haven't gone off onto other crews trying to be crew chiefs and big note themselves somewhere else. They've They've just stayed with us, yeah. or or they don't come anymore. You know, so it's, it's, it's you're going to try and find some time for fishing this year, John. Oh, I'd like to. Yeah, I'm I'm racking my brain all the time how I can fit some in. So <laughs> 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 no, we'll see. Maybe on the way home from the nationals in February, we might be able to stop at Fowler's Bay and uh, throw a line in. But that's yeah, not going to be much time for it, unfortunately. <laughs> no, well, good luck with everything, John. Yeah, and thanks for your time tonight. All right, thank you. Thanks, Take mate. See you. One of my favourite forms of drag racing is actually radial racing. In the US, there's a promoter called Donald Long, otherwise known as The Duck. Let's just have a listen to one of his rants just prior to one of his big races taking place in South Georgia Motorsport Park. Mm. Uh, the Killing Time Racing uh, team, they've seen to piss the duck off pretty bad, hey? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know exactly what happened, but it, see, it seems as though uh, Steve Shuler, is that how you pronounce it? No, nah, Phil, Phil, Phil Shuler. Sorry, Phil Shuler. But they call Phil Shuler. 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 Shuler, yeah. yeah. Who's the crew chief on... Uh, oh. One of the Schumacher cars now. Yeah, He's yeah, yeah. It, it was Tony's car. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he tried to get into the event for free. Look, I think... I, I, I don't know how much Duck is making of this as a bit of a stunt, a stunt but he was pretty pretty pissed off this he, morning. He looked pretty pissed yeah, off. He looked do, pretty pissed off. Do, do you want to have a listen? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, wanna... I, I could listen to this all day. <laughs> And I'm gonna have I don't to know. Do you, yeah, yeah. How are you gonna play this? this... I, I'll have to go th uh, go up and put beeps in afterwards. It's just gonna be one long beep. <laughs> it's pretty much from start to let's finish. Let's have your <laughs> together. When you roll up to <laughs> gate, let's have some cash to get in. How about that? Okay. If you can afford all... now, if you want to pull off a valve cover or a rocker <laughs> arm and leave it at the gate, that's fine. If you need to sell off a nitrous bottle or a blower belt or whatever you gotta do to get through the. And that's what you got to do. But don't come rolling up here, poor mouthing us at the gate, and then call up, like, we're treating you like some kind of criminals. You're the one trying to get through the gate without paying. Not us. 
Uh, seven months to come up with like four fucking dollars? Killing time racing in bad <laughs> That's some grudge racing, no time shit right there. <laughs> Phil Schuller, when you lose the bet, all PayPal ready, PayPal ready. You ain't got 37 cents to get through the gate. Now let's get together. Get Steve Jackson over here, get this bill paid. This ain't no no time. I really look. I, I love the duck. I think he's great for the sport. But I really do question when you you, you alienate one of the biggest names in the sport. I, I understand where he's coming from, but surely it could have been handled in a little bit more diplomatic fashion. Uh, look, I get the feeling that um, you know. Look, we've all jumped on the Stevie Fast bandwagon, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And obviously, his popularity because we're all talking about him has grown to the point where maybe the guys from Killing Time. Uh, you know, Phil and, and uh, Stevie, maybe they think they should be getting paid appearance money. Now, our favourite event, my, sorry, I should say, I should preface that with my favourite <laughs> event, Radio versus the World No Mercy 8 was on the same weekend as Bathurst. Unfortunately for these guys, they had to bring everything a day forward because another hurricane was impeding mm. on them. The same with Lights Out 8 as well. They had to bring everything forward because a cyclone hurricane, they call it. But Sorry. they still finished the meeting, didn't they? They do. They always no excuses. The duck always <laughs> finishes his meetings. He, always, he doesn't like, they do not like splitting prize money. It's one of their, they don't like having to split prize money. So they always... They, they'll bring. They brought the whole event a day forward, so they squ squished up all their qualifying, and in, um, into the I think it was the Friday, so they could get eliminations. The first round of eliminations was done on the Friday night. So Marty Stinnett, small block Chev, Fox Body Mustang, top qualifier, against arguably, probably the toughest. Radial versus the world field. I've only got the top eight there. And, this is and they're all in the 370s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, that is just unbelievable. Yeah. That is incredible. It is. You've got to wonder how light that car is. Uh, don't know. He would be... He gets the, a break he for does. a small block. He does, yeah. He gets a break for a small block, and he also gets a break because it's not a pro mod. Oh, it's got rails in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything else is pro mod, but yeah. it's got two chassis rails <laughs> yeah, in it. This is one of the things that Aiden and I were talking about today. Yeah. But to, to top qualify in a small block Chev in a Fox body Mustang, the duck would have been in his element because this is the essence of Radial versus the World. Radial versus the World started out as that car, like, well, not that particular car, but that type of car. And morphed into now Stevie Fast's um, Camaro and, and oh yeah, oh, look, I, I think the um, the Shadow before it became the Shadow, yeah, the original the, Shadow, the orange was, tomato or whatever yeah. it's called, yeah, um, you know that was the epitome of, of a radial car, mm, yeah, but it's something called lost in translation. I don't know. Yeah, the the thing is though, I, I still want to see how much glue these guys put down to go 370 on a 315 rate. Let's have a look. We can have yeah, a there look must right be now. spider webs coming off the tyre as it that, leaves the start line. There's always spider webs. Let's have a look here.
looked effortless, doesn't it? Yeah, they make it look so easy. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. just... Um... So that was the, the top qualifying run. I do have another video of Dwayne's win, but I'm not going to play that because the, the quality is not the best and the, you don't really see it all that well. So, But Dwayne Mills went on to win the event. Now, Dwayne is no stranger to winning No Mercy. He has won it before, and he's taken the 50 grand before. Now, I don't know if you remember, Dwayne drives the Golden Gorilla. That's the car that had a massive flip about two years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. So it's good to see him. He's since come back from that massive flip and win two events. It was good to see Stevie Fast in the final. Got to too. the final as well. Yeah, Stevie Fast. It's an honourable mention to Stevie Fast as well to get <laughs> to get to the final. The problem they're going to have next year is that the NHRA and their infinite wisdom whether we they've done it on purpose or not, have actually scheduled an event the same weekend as No Mercy. So it will make scheduling of these crew chiefs quite difficult and tricky. Oh, it's going to come down to which event the Sheik wants to win. Mm. That's pretty much what's going to happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, the NHRA would be feeling the heat of all this radio racing, the popularity of it. I, I never thought, though, they would... They've never had a conflict... Of dates because the duck has his date set. These dates are flow on yeah, yeah. year on year. Yeah. But this is the first time they've conflicted, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in twelve months' time. Hmm. You never know. The duck might move his event. The sort of guy he is, I wouldn't think so. But anyway, <laughs> I, I I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I, I mean, look. After that rant about Stevie Fast and uh... not paying. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he's probably not worried. No, 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 no. He's, he's... Probably going to encourage him to stay home. Yeah. <laughs> One of the most popular segments we had feedback on was regarding cash days. We thought we'd just touch over that again uh, with a brief introduction and um, explanation of what cash days actually was and how it unfolded. I, I was a bit surprised that the uh, cash days didn't make the news after the <laughs> the big arrest there. Openly, we don't support uh, street racing. I mean, cash days, for, the, for our listeners that don't know, cash days is an underground uh, event uh, where 32 or 16 cars are gathered. This was in the United States. Invitation only. Invitation only, yep. Now, a number... Uh, we, I might be a bit coy here and I don't think I might I, I don't think we should mention any names should we or we, we should be right you reckon to mention names I guess so I don't you can you can <laughs> no google one's sue us <laughs> you can go you can google this anyway there were some street outlaws a number of street outlaws uh, guys on street outlaws that were present not only from the Oklahoma uh, oh, series allegedly present allegedly allegedly, allegedly present. present but we also, weren't there no, so we, we can't say there. for sure that they were there Anyway, um, Discovery weren't invited along, but 1320 video were. And the guy, Kyle, his name is, um, he, he's gone along and filmed it. So unfortunately, they've it's been over two nights, and clearly when you have 32 cars, you get down to 16, you get down to 8, so on and so forth. Real drag racing, not three-round format, chunder 400 real, racing. Real drag racing, $500 buy-in, so the pot's 16 grand by, at the end of the day. So they got to the final, and so we're going to say names. I guess we say names. No, you're probably better off calling it by the car. Yeah, yeah. We'll call it. What? Did, yeah, Bird Boys. 
and straight bird Vega. Yeah. So street outlaws New Orleans and street outlaws Oklahoma. So they've made it to the final. So they've lined their cars up for the final. So for those of you that don't know, that was a nitrous big block versus procharged small block. That's correct. Yep. Yep. So the race prior to that, Daddy Dave has had an engine let go and he's oiled down where they were hoping to race. So they've had to go on the other side of the road and race the other way down the street into oncoming traffic. So As you do. Yeah. So I think this was about 4.30am in the morning. They've closed the road, as they do, illegally, closed the road. Um, just, just, you know, for those of you that don't or do follow Street Outlaws, most of their stuff is, you know, glammed up Discovery Channel for the for the TV, regardless of what they claim. The roads are blocked. They have lighting towers. Yeah, you, don't, you don't go to street yeah. races and have lighting towers. You know, no one rings up Cotire and gets lighting towers. Yeah, we're gonna no. we're gonna block Vale Street. And <laughs> it doesn't work like that in the in the real world. Um, this is the real thing, you yeah. know. So sorry, carry on, Nick. Carry on. So they've they've the two of them have lined up. They're going down the other the other opposite way down. That the traffic would normally go. Uh, they've closed the end of the street. Now, unbeknownst to them, just as they're staging their cars, they've no, police have turned up at the other end of the track. Now, the flagger at the other end of the track, at the, at the big end, he's noticed. So he's turned his flashlight on to say abort race. The message didn't get through to the starter. And just as the cars are leaving, you see a guy on the side try to jump in, in front of the cars. But anyway, the cars get away. Um, yeah, he actually did try to yeah, jump in front yeah, of the car. Literally, literally, yeah. So this has created a bit of controversy because, uh, you know, the deal is if the race uh, doesn't get clearly won at, or the race doesn't get completed, they split the prize money. Uh, and as it turns out, one of the cars got on the brakes early, turned right, and uh, somehow, miraculously, uh, avoided being arrested. Uh, the other one got arrested, impounded, etc., 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 and I believe spent the night in jail. Yeah. Um, and he was arguably the winner if if that was a run. But uh, I I think in my book he was the winner as well. Um, because he's he's completed the race, but look, they they're deeming that the race wasn't complete because they turned the light on before the starter, the race was aborted. Oh, look, I mean, I, I I you could argue both ways, I guess. But you know what I got out of it? There's a, a video. I think you're gonna you're gonna post the link to the video. Yeah. Well, let, let's just have a listen to let's just have a listen here to some of the the um the footage here. We'll just have a listen here. Here we go. Biggest pot in cash day's history on the screen. Fifty and a half grand. This is the final, too bad to have. Hope it all goes down. They stay straight, make a good race. But this is not what we want at all. 
right in front of them. This could be. It went directly into some fucking cops. Holy, there's like four or five cops down there. I knew it was taking way too long to get the dit off. What's going on, man? Hold your win? Yeah? I mean, do me a favor. Just hang out here at the front of your car for me. I'm assuming you have a trailer and everything else, correct? Yeah. Are they all down there? Okay. Let's get the cap off. Let's take the front cap off. Turn the night yourself. Turn the night yourself So there was a truck driver in there, and he said that there was a truck driver on the radio bragging about he called the cops on that's racist. He's the one that called. So they rolled in randomly. Yeah, they rolled in. Yeah. So if you get a chance to watch the video and you watch it right through to the end, uh, what's really cool is, you know, I, I don't know how many of our listeners have been in trouble with the police, but they're not normally as cool as. These police are—they're no. actually pretty casual about the whole. Thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he got old. We'll call him. We'll we'll just keep calling him Bird Boys. But he he kind of uh, caught him out, didn't he? Because he's he's asked he's asked Bird Boys, "Did you win?" And he said, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah." Straight away, he's done for street racing. <laughs> anyway, let's just hope that the fine, the impound fees, and all of that was less than the. Um, Seven and a half grand that what, he won. Do you know he got his car out the next, the following day? Oh. Yeah, the car was out the following day. Didn't so, ha- they so, didn't have Rob Johnson as a police minister. No, no. <laughs> so those of you in WA that think our home laws is, are soft, and I, look, I'm not going to say they are or they're not. Over in the US, this guy's been caught with basically a pro pro stock. It looks a like top door slammer. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, 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 An A-altered production nitrous car. <laughs> yeah. On the street. Um, we've no. I don't think it's got head. No, it might have headlights. I can't yeah, remember. it had headlights. Yeah, it yeah. had 730 cubic inches of nitrous fed, all American muscle. <laughs> Been caught on the street and he got his car out the day after. So and he was. He spent. I think he spent 16 hours in jail and he was. He was out the following day. Obviously. So there you go. We also made light of a number of things that happened in drag racing. One in particular was the fight between Tanner Gray. And Alex Laughlin in pro stock. But I think the Royal, and I hate, I hate to bring in this sort of thing, but I think the talking point out of that, out of the Royal Purple Nationals, was this incident between um, Alex Laughlin and Tanner Gray. Now, Tanner being um, Johnny Gray's son, who's of, of pro stock uh, ilk, uh, racing against Alex Laughlin. Now, you may remember we talked about Alex in our first podcast where we spoke about Street Outlaws. Now, Alex was driving the gas monkey car, the blown gas monkey car. This is the same guy. Yeah, yeah. So, they've gone in qualifying. The thought was that Tanner felt he was left to hang out to dry a little bit on the staging. Alex may have held him out a little bit. And anyway, they had a little bit of an altercation at the top end of the track. No, no, just a couple of words. I believe, I believe what he said to him. <laughs> I love it. I actually, I really dig what he said. How, how did that pan out for you? He did. Those were his exact <laughs> words. Yes. How did that pan out for you? 
So they've come back to the pits, and and a bit of a a bit of a brawl has erupted between the the, the basically the owners and and the crew as well. Anyway, this is what Tanner had to say about the incident. Yeah, no, it all started back in Seattle with that group. Uh, you know, there was some words said on the starting line in Seattle that that kind of transpired into a fight in the pits, and uh, you know the elite team was threatening one of our crew members that they were going to find him alone and beat him up and uh, you know so I think it's just kind of gone on and on and everybody's kind of bad mouthed each other's team but as soon as we say something about their team it turns into a fight and they want to fight and they think it's the end of the world so you know I think it's just definitely a double standard deal. The general consensus because of you know the money that the Greys have got tied up in the sport yeah. is that Tanner is a sport brat right? Yep. Um, but, you know, look at Alex and, you know, the Street <laughs> Outlaws deal and losing that race. I mean, yeah. I've got no sympathy for Alex whatsoever. No, no. Um, and, and uh, you know, I, I can't help if I If I was driving, right, and someone tried to, you know, hang me out, burn me down, whatever you want to call it, um, and then I smoked him, uh, you know, I would want to give him a bit of shit at the finish line too. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that's that's all that's all that happened. But unfortunately, Richard Freeman, and I think the world of Richard Freeman, I think what he's done for pro stock in the last few years has been has been really good. He's gotten involved in this. He's 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 given Tanner the eyes and and may have said, "What are you looking at?" And Tanner throws his hand up and says, "Bring it on." Anyway, let's let's just listen to what Richard had to say about the incident as well. You know, we're all out here trying to win races and, and do the do the best we can. And, you know, Erica went red there, so there's there's some things. Alex Laughlin got into it with Tanner down there. And, you know, uh, we all want to win, uh, but there's animosity between those camps. And, and uh, we're going to – we've all decided we're going to settle it out here on the racetrack, and uh, we'll see how that works. I think that's a good decision, my friend. If that doesn't work, we'll do it another way. So, yes. Yeah, so you, you... Have you seen the video? Yeah, I have, yeah. It looks like yeah. it's straight out of Street Outlaws. Yeah, 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 <laughs> There's it no, does. no ifs or buts about it. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'd say, I mean, my opinion is that, uh, uh, yeah, my opinion is that Alex has uh, brought a bit of that show into the pro stock. And, you know, look, I know they're trying to raise awareness yeah. uh, because most people, now that pro mods, you know, getting some airtime on TV, most people have forgotten what pro stock is and, the lack of bonnet scoops and the EFI. It's really a class that's going nowhere. So I guess trying to make it a bit more like Street Outlaws probably yeah. it's probably going to help them in the long run. I mean, we're talking about it. I'm sure other people are talking about it. Well, I did say at the time, I felt it was something that, that the guys, that Pro Stock needed. I, I'm not I don't, I'm not advocating violence. Please don't, don't think that. Do you really think there was violence there? No. It looked no. like a NASCAR fight. It, it had Joe Logano and Kyle Busch written all <laughs> over it. But I'm not, I don't want to instigate that. That's not what I'm about. But Anyway, listen, let's stop talking about slow stock. Yeah, slow uh, stock. The one thing Simon and I certainly don't agree on is the V8 supercars and our love for it. Um, it's interesting to listen over the episodes, our varying opinions on it. Um, one thing we do agree on is that the sport is probably heading in the wrong direction or on a, I guess, a downward spiral. But let's listen to some of our discussions regarding V8 supercars and their feeder categories in 2017. As you said, the, the, the sport needs to be run by people that can run 
a business and make money. Clearly, yeah, but these guys haven't done that. They've got to have a good product, right? Yep. Right now, what they've got is a combination of what the teams wanted mm. and the drivers wanted, yeah. right? Neither of those people are the ones that need to sit and watch it. Yeah, that's so right. What they need is is the spectators to have input mm. in where the, the direction of the class needs to yeah. go. Yeah. And I've got to tell you, the other thing that I'm getting out of this from talking to, to different people is that a lot of people go to those races not yeah. because... Uh, they like what they're seeing nowadays, but because they're loyal V8 fans. Mm. Okay, so just like when I was a kid, you know, I'd get up and watch Hardy's Heroes and, yep. you know, all that leading up to Bathurst. That was like a big weekend for me. Mm. Um, these guys feel, and girls, feel as though that they, and they have to go through all emotions, even though they actually dislike the category at the moment. You know? I think you're one of these people. I, I am. I am. You, 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 have you been talking with my wife? Because that, that is exactly what happens here, especially Bathurst weekend. I have this obligatory need to watch the qualifying, and, and I, I like watching it. But if I didn't watch it, I'd feel, geez, have I missed out? Have I, have I missed out on something? Have I not... You know, and, and I've got to get up early. I make these poor children get up early and watch it with me as well. But am I barking up the wrong tree? Is this is this not for me anymore? I still enjoy it. But when I see stuff like this, you know, quitting the business for less than half of what you paid for it, I'm sorry the alarm bells are ringing, guys. Listen, Nick, uh, if we're going to get into a counselling session, I'm going to have to put you on the clock. Okay. <laughs> right, so... Anyway, listen, enough about the uh, the actual V8s, right? The trucks. Right? <laughs> Everyone's talking about the trucks. They are talking about the trucks for the wrong reasons. <laughs> for the wrong reasons. I don't know. If you listen to that, uh, <laughs> that recording... <laughs> well, let's just have a listen to the initial report on... On the Sunday evening. This is as the news broke. Uh, let's just have a listen here. Good evening. It seems not all of the high octane action has been restricted to Hidden Valley this weekend with a super truck caught doing burnouts in the city. Catherine Foran joins us now live from Mitchell Street with the exclusive details. Catherine, what can you tell us? Jono, police were there waiting after the last race at Hidden Valley this evening after a truck, one of the event's super trucks, was filmed doing burnouts here on Mitchell Street last night. Several videos of the Devil Bliss super truck has been posted on social media. In the footage, you can see it do several donuts just metres from where people are standing, creating smoke and marking the road before it's seen erratically driving off. It's a black mark on what was otherwise a very successful weekend of motorsport. Yes, behaviour like that should be restricted to the racetrack. Catherine, thank you. I like that little closing slap from the the uh, the, the anchorman. Should be restricted to Kings Park. <laughs> no, hang on, hang on. Should be restricted to Scarborough Car Park. That's right. <laughs> it's like Rick Arden and uh, Susanna Carr coming on and giving a little closing slap at the end there, you know? <sighs> Look, you know, the media is the media, Nick. The media is the media. It is. Look, at this stage... They didn't know who it was. Now, it was, it was late Sunday that they actually impounded the car, and then we found out it was actually Robin Gordon himself. <laughs> Let's just have a listen to Robbie Gordon uh, after court. I've done stuff like this probably two or three hundred times 
uh, over my career. There was two security guards there. I asked them, hey, think I can flip a couple doughies? They said, I don't care. Heck, some cities promote it. Um, unfortunately, here in Northern Territory, they, uh, they frown on it. So it is what it is. I think I did two donuts maybe uh, at, at speed just so we can, you know, not to make excuses, but probably less than 5K an hour. I own the series. We make the rules. If we come back next year, obviously, no donuts on Mitchell Street. Yeah. Uh, Robbie, they frown upon it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so the truck's been impounded for 28 days, is that no, correct? No, he got it back two days later. I don't oh. know how that works. Oh. Um, that's got me stuffed. Oh, it's different rules. Yeah, two oh. days. So you can do donuts. Apparently, it didn't look like a crowd to me, but apparently, in in a crowded on a crowded street, yeah, in an unregistered vehicle, yep, right, and your car doesn't get impounded. Is this a precedent? Should we be getting the papers through Freedom of Information and making it available to the public? I don't know what was done there, but I mean, if we want to talk about this. What about Troy Buswell? <laughs> Didn't he get busted? He got busted. The car never got impounded. Oh. oh. But it was a government car, wasn't it? Yeah. Never got locked up for 28 yeah. days. Anyway, moving on. The uh, <laughs> They un unveiled the super utes. I'm not sure the word super should be associated with these things. Maybe the trader utes. What are they? Are they are they meant to be a crossover, Nick? Is do, you that... my, do you know what my mum says? My mum always says, Nick, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. <laughs> but I'm kind of obligated to give my opinion here. Are they like the soccer dad of Brute U series? Is that what they are? Look, uh, some dear friends of mine drive these sorts of cars as Yeah, but they're trainees. Yeah, they're trainees, that's right. They're workers, carpenters. Builders, and, and, and then you know what? And I shouldn't mock them or those cars because we all go fishing at the end of the year and we have a great time in them. <laughs> but that's what they're for. They're uh, for fishing. Look, we've got a Mitsubishi around. Triton, and yeah. I've been trying to get my head around this because the thing sits like a four-wheel drive, yep. right? It would be the worst possible platform to build some sort of vehicle that has to go around corners. Now, I don't know. Where are they going with this? Where are they going with this? I didn't like it at all. I did not like it at all. I don't understand it. Uh, it's it's literally a Triton Ute. They only had one out on the track. Craig Dontis was driving it. Let's listen to what he had to say here. What is the new East Coast Bull Bar Super Ute like to drive? Um, it's it's pretty damn good. Um, look, I, I uh, obviously only a small time in the car, but there's a lots of potential to unlocking one of these big bad boys. Totally different to what you're used to driving in the Utes. Talk through the brakes in particular, because a lot of work there. Yeah, look, it's it's more like a supercar. So we run a pedal box, no booster. So my little legs, I'm going to push as hard as I can on the brake pedal, but. Um, it's more like a race car in the braking side of it, whereas the old Ute, uh, you just breathe on the brake pedal and you can lock a wheel. Incredibly technical suspension package on these cars as well. How did that feel handling-wise? Yeah, handling-wise, good turn. A um, little bit stiff in the rear, so it's like a, a little bit like a golf buggy or, or something. But um, the biggest thing I was impressed with, it's, it's a complete new driving style. So with the turbo, um, you're pulling gears where you should be changing down on an old Ute, and it's going to achieve its power completely differently. Low revs, high torque. So 
where you're probably in second, you're in third, and where you're in third, you're in fourth, and vice versa. So I think the guys that get their heads around them really fast will be at the front of the field. So for me, it's exciting. I'm an old dog, so something new. I think you can teach an old dog some new tricks and we can have some fun. The punters, I think they'll uh, come to the fences and watch these things so they're big, they're bad, and I reckon we'll make it ugly too. Look, the first question I've got, Nick, is what was that crap they were playing in the background of that? Well, the music fed in earlier. They were driving the car around the track and they had to put the music in oh. over the engine because there was nothing exciting okay, about so, that. Okay, so they... How are they like a V8 supercar? Uh, nothing. <laughs> I mean... They've they got a pedal box. They've got a pedal box. Look, I mean, Craig's not going to come out and bag it, obviously, and, and Craig's obviously doing the right thing by the sport, but seriously... This is not exciting. I this noticed is, he said it was turbocharged. Is it yeah. a diesel? <laughs> is it? Yes. <laughs> anyway, look, I don't want to, I don't want to bag it, but this is this is the sort of sport that belongs at Wakefield Park on a on a Sunday afternoon. Not not. Not for the top. Maybe tier. maybe what they need to do is jack the suspension. Put some jumps on the track and uh, take a page out of the... Uh, <laughs> out of the uh, well, you, you think Robbie Gordon won't be coming back anytime soon? <laughs> Maybe that's what they're doing. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just trying to get my head around how a turbo diesel Triton... At least I bought the petrol version, yeah. you know. Turbo diesel Triton is some sort of performance vehicle. Mm. Oh, it's got a pedal box. I keep forgetting. They got rid of the booster. Right. Anyway. But they're trying to make it sound like these are somehow better than the old V8 Holden and V8 Ford. They're not. <laughs> that's, that's the sad reality. So, like I said, I don't want to bag Craig Dontis, but this is not for the Tier 1 motorsport of Australia. So, is, do you think that they've deliberately tried to make them look like trophy trucks with the tyres hanging out and the four-wheel-drive-ish type tyres? Yeah, I think so. I think that's part of the appeal of that vehicle, for even like the tradies as we know it. They like to put the big tyres on them and whatnot, but I don't know. It doesn't have a fit on a racetrack. Mm, so anyway. I can't see it flourishing, to anyway. be That's just my view anyway. Did you watch Bathurst? Parts of. I didn't watch all of it, believe it or not. But didn't I didn't. I watched the last. I had a car show that I was um, involved with the same day, but I managed to catch the last 30 laps of Bathurst. What do you think? It was good for um, Betty. Betty Clemente. Yeah, yeah, it was um, a huge win for, you know, that was really, I mean, you know, it's cliche, but David and Goliath, mm, that's really what it was. It was, yeah, yeah, and Betty. Betty's been in the sport now for a numerous years. I think it's around about six and a half years from when she bought out the Stone Brothers Racing. She's had her ups and downs with the with the sport and the category, going Mercedes and now falling out with them and going and holding again. But it was good to see her win. Mm, it's her mm. first breakthrough win. And the lap of the gods. I, I want to talk about that. <laughs> Let's just have a listen to it as it unfolded. I want to have a just a quick. We'll have a quick chat about that. This is going to be very, very close as a result of that. From the Sunday in Darwin, McLaughlin owned the Armour Poles all the way up to the end of Sydney Motorsport Park. When we got to Sandown, Cam Waters and Richie Stanaway oh, snatched it away. No way! How he 
is the number. And he did it with two wheels in the dirt. McLaughlin is flying. We might see a three. They're holding their breath at Shelby Power Racing. Coulthard's in the background. They're watching at Erebus. Can he get it through the chase squarely? Uses the apron on the entry. It's pulling up straight. Feeds at second gear. No curb. Direction change. Gear change. It sits nicely. It didn't slide on the gear change. Ludo's excited. He can it's see on. the micro sectors. This might be the biggest lap ever at Mount Panorama. And McLaughlin comes to the line. Yes! He's a two-minute three-point eight. <laughs> They've gone berserk at Shelby Power Racing. That is... That is off the scale. That's his dad, Wayne. That is off the scale fast. Well, that is absolutely out of control. Total elation. Let's just soak it up. I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I think that was completely in control. <laughs> he looked in control. But the point that I make, the, the thing, the, the kind of elephant in the room, and if you allow me to... Jeez, I, I know I've completely he stuffed used, that up. But... He used every single inch of that mm. track. Let, let's just put the numbers on this. This is what I wanted to talk about. He, he got the pole spot by four tenths. Not one tenth, not two tenths, but four tenths. The next four cars had four tenths over him. The next four cars. So he's got that pole position by four tenths. The interesting thing was the next day they blew a motor. So have we gone back? This is what I wanted to ask you. Have we gone back to the like 80s and early 90s where we put a, a hot motor in? Did, did Ryan Story have this <coughs> Windsor over there in the corner and said that's our Bathurst motor that we're going to get pole with? And I, I would imagine that, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I've never worked for one of these teams, mm. but if I was the uh, crew chief or team manager, I'd have one of those motors for every track. Why wouldn't you? Oh, it's just we haven't seen that sort of domination in pole by four tenths. The thing is, tenths. the thing is though, right? I, I, when I looked at the rules a long time ago, they had this box mm. that the motor had to fit in, which I didn't really. I don't understand how you can tell an engine developer it needs to make peak torque at this RPM. Mm. And, you know what I mean? Because that's kind of like. Yeah, it's sort of, it's a weird one, but apparently they have to have it yeah. fall into this area. Mm. So I don't know if they got rules that govern the, you know, the gudgeon pin size, the big end size, the, mm. you know, the weight of components. Uh, more and more motorsports are taking all of that development out of the equation and saying you have to run this size bearing you have to mm. run you know what i mean like a formula v engine or something so yeah. i don't know how far these guys get into it but i mean who cares if it blew the motor it was a killer lap it was a killer lap and unfortunately well unfortunately unfortunately depends on what way you want to look at it. i think that's what the 2017 bathurst will be remembered for is that that the new lap of the gods, I guess they'll come up with a new name for it. But... Mate, he, he did not miss a single... No. Like, I can't even picture that you could do a better lap with today's technology. Mm. He used every bit of that track. He hit every apex. That car 
was on the minimum amount of rubber he could yeah. possibly be on for, you know, every corner that he, he took. It was just, mm. you know, the saying where all your ducks are in line? Well, yeah. mate, lucky he didn't have a shotgun because... <laughs> It was good to uh, look. I mean, I was really impressed by it. It, it, it received worldwide uh, acclaim. Like a, a number of drivers, um, Will Power commented on it over Twitter. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. as well commented on it. So it's it's received worldwide acclaim. They they love Bathurst in the mm, US. Yeah, but they still think they're production cars. Yeah. <laughs> so. I don't, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the US... Which they are, aren't they, Nick? This exactly showroom. XRA. Showroom XRA. Along with our John Zapier interview, we were also privileged enough to speak with young Matt Price from WA. Matt is making his way through the CIV Championships in Italy. Let's just have a listen to the Matt Price interview. Matt, to be honest with you, I didn't know a hell of a lot about yourself, but we've been asked by a number of listeners of our podcast to, to get you on and have a chat. So that's 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 what we've gone ahead and done. And after I've done a bit of research on yourself, I found that you've really gone into uh, motorcycle racing uh, pretty full on in the last couple of years. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you sort of started in 2015. Is that correct? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a pretty wild ride to be honest. But um, my dad always said, anything worth doing, put your heart into it. So sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild ride, but no, we've uh, we're going places where we want to be going. So it's, it's been a joy. Matt, Matt, let me uh, let me start by congratulating you. I mean, huge move to go from Clubland Six Hundreds and, and to be where you are at the moment. Um, how? How did it feel when you, you first got on the Italian soil there and you were, um, uh, you know, the initial testing? And was it was it overwhelming or, or did you find it natural? Yeah, thanks. Um, no, it was it was like a dream come true. It was pinching moments when I first walked into Magello Circuit and um, there was GT cars going around uh, in between with the bikes out, just um, club riders but just the actual scenery of the Grand Prix circuit and everything itself when I first arrived, it was it was honestly just pinching yourself moment. It was like a, any person into motorsport, it was their absolute um, heaven. And uh, to be to be able to go over there and be testing a ZX-10 Kawasaki Superbike was, yeah, that was just the icing on the cake. But um, in terms of coming to grips with it and everything like the the two test days I did over there it could not have gone any better um, my progression through both of them days and keeping the thing shiny side up was uh, a real good uh, start to my uh, racing career over in um, Italy even though we weren't racing it was um, it was a good to get that testing behind us and it was more to see if I was good enough to be over there because um, we didn't just want to go over and not be competitive because it wouldn't further my career as a racer to be uh, so far off the pace kind of thing. And and the ZX-10 that you were riding, is that a lot different to the road-going version? Are they heavily modified or are they, they sort of based around the... Because the road bikes, the ZX-10 is considered at the moment one of the, the hot-ticket bikes in terms of how much power it's got. Yeah, yeah, the the bikes, um, they pretty much look the same, 
but apart from that, that's where it pretty much ends because um, with the engine tuning and things that you can do within the Superbike regulations, because they're all FIM, so it's full World Superbike spec if you want to run it, um, yeah, the bikes are really far-fetched from the real thing. I mean, the, the biggest difference is... Um, the amount of engine work you can do to them, whereas the Australian rules, they're very limited. Yeah. But over yeah. in Europe, they run full FIM um, regulations, so the actual amount of work that can be done to these bikes is, is incredible. I think my ZX-10, I had a couple of engines last year, but one of them was producing 229 horsepower at the rear wheel That's on a bike cool. that weighs 100 and 71 kilos i think so it was three kilos heavier than my super sport bike in australia but it had an extra 102 horsepower that's that's <laughs> incredible i uh, i race a gsxr from time to time and it's you know not an over-the-top engine but the best i've managed is about 170 so i can't imagine what another 50 60 horsepower would feel like that's incredible yeah it is it it, it honestly takes so much adjusting and that's what I've really had to come to terms with this year because the characteristics, when you put that much horsepower inside a bike that with very similar chassis, um, yeah, it changes the characteristics massively and that's why bike setup becomes so much more crucial. Now, now the King Racing Team, they're based in northern Italy. Uh, I'm probably not going to pronounce this properly, which is sad because I'm Italian, but Reggio <laughs> Emila, is that... Is that is that, now, uh, Reggio Emilia. Reggio Emilia, there you go. Uh, now, yeah. that's not far away from uh, Modena and uh, Bologna. Yeah, that's right. So that's basically the Detroit of Italy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you had Hands a chance to, to go to Ferrari or Lamborghini or, or uh, Ducati and check out the factories? Yeah, we did actually. Um, when I went over for testing, my two test days were split up over a race weekend. So yeah. I did one day's testing, then it was the CIV final round, and then I had my second test day on the Monday after the race meeting. So just so we weren't in the team's hair the whole weekend, we managed to um, jump down to uh, Bologna to go to the Ducati factory and on the following day we were able to get to the Lamborghini factory which is also based in Bologna so it was, uh, it was a pretty special two days and um, yeah it was incredible to see that sort of memorabilia all in one place. You're making us both very jealous at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> hey Matt I wanted to touch on the the in 2000 this year 2017 you raced in what the CIV championships called the national trophy a thousand cc so correct yep. me if I'm wrong that national trophy has been around for about 11 years or 10 years that that yeah so is that I, I guess without knowing too much about it is that like a feeder group into some sort of other like into super bikes yeah, well, basically, with in Italy, the CIV Superbike paddock mm. is full. It's fully subscribed, so guys are competing to get wildcard events into the Superbike rounds, and you're also getting your World Superbike riders trying to wildcard into um, the championship as well, but because they're not fully listed, 
there's a lot of opportunity for their big stars of the sport not being able to get on track. So they've developed National Trophy, which is a basically it's a feeder group for um, CIB Superbike, Mm -hmm. but there's there's obviously people wanting glory and national trophy because it's ran on the same weekends with the same teams there and everything else. Because this year, I think we, we had pretty high hopes of how we'd go, but um, it was apparent from the first round. I currently had, um, it was nine permanent world Superstock riders yeah. in the championship and there was wild cards on top of that from World Superbike and World Supersport riders. So just to get a point scoring position, you'd have to be pretty close to world class with it being on their home circuits as well, which is what I had to learn this year. Yeah, okay. To be honest, the the last three years I've had so much help from so many people, it's not even funny and um I, one of my main sponsors was uh Junalup Carpet Corp. And I spoke to him in person after my first ever club race. And I basically just like asked if he'd help me out with cost of running club racing for the year. And um, he, um, in return, I advertised for him. And that was basically my first sponsorship deal. And uh, now it's still going strong now because um, his support's been second to none. And without their help I wouldn't be over in Italy racing some of the world's best on the best Grand Prix circuits around so um, yeah Junior Up Carpet Court were a great influential tool for me to be able to uh, take my career to the next level Mm. Um, I also had Mark Gill from Leading Edge Motorcycle Sport which um, kind of brought this whole deal with me going over to Europe because he was approached by one of King Racing Team's uh, engineers and basically um, with results shown and the test got set up and the test went really well. It all just snowballed and I landed myself on a superbike in Italy and um, without his help getting my riding to the level it was at to be noticed by these people, um, yeah, I'd probably still be... uh, doing state rounds in WA or nationals in Supersport. Mm. So, yeah, he was a real big influence in my racing career. Um, Moto Alliance have always been there from day one. Um, They're basically anything I can't get hold of or my sponsors don't supply, they supply to me. Um, And it's, it's just great having that kind of support because there was times, especially when we did nationals, we were cartwheeling the bike, learning how it worked, and then we'd have to rebuild it and try and get it out for the next race. And Yeah, the amount of fiberglass we went through, I think uh, everyone in my family has got fiberglass splinters. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was, it's been full on. I've had so much help, and I also had Ricondi Leathers. Mm. Um, they've been fantastic. I've had custom suits off them the last two years, and, like I said, I've had plenty of fiberglass splinters, but luckily I've not broke any bones because uh, no, their, their suits have been absolutely top-notch. And, um, yeah, they've kept me safe and sound even when I've had some of my biggest crashes. So, no, without their help, um, I would probably be in a wheelchair, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I'll tell you, Matt, uh, you've definitely got uh, a huge fan base over here and, and it's growing day by day and we look forward to seeing you win a few races this season and uh, we'll be cheering for you, that's for sure. Yeah, cool. Thanks a lot for your help, guys, and support it goes a long way. Thank, thanks for taking the time out for the interview, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, we really appreciate your time coming on here tonight. No worries. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Okay, take care. Cheers. Bye. We were also lucky enough to have an international mention. We got mentioned on the Kibby and Finnegan podcast. Let's just have a listen to that one. I'd like to point out that uh, this is our also our first podcast in the wet. It is. So, so all the Commodore drivers out there be up 100 horsepower tonight. Oh, they would be, wouldn't they? <laughs> and I'm sure that at some stage or another we're going to hear one flying past the house. I'm surprised we haven't heard one yet, to be honest. It is the hoon capital of the world. Speaking of hooning... Hooning, yeah. Look, I, we, we've gone international this week. Did you know? We, we had a mention on the Kibby and Finnegan show. Now, now... Uh, let me get this right. Is this the the uh, guys from Roadkill? No, half. Half Mike the Finnegan, guy. Yeah, half. Mike Finnegan. He's it, from the uh, Roadkill. Is it the road part or the kill part? Road. It's we'll go road, with that. Yeah, road, road part. Yeah. So Mike Finnegan, he's he's part of the Roadkill uh, show. But Rob Kibby, he has the he has a podcast called The Muscle Car Place, online. Uh, I've always listened to them. So the Kibby and Finnegan show. He he's responsible for. Well, they talk about Dukes of Hazard, so they they review each Dukes of Hazard episode one by one. Um, I dropped him an email because, in many ways, these guys were a bit of an inspiration of mine to to do what we do here. Um, and um, I didn't expect them to say anything. I just wrote him an email, uh, and let's just listen to uh, what they had to say. Nick. I'll try it, Nick. Nick December, I think, but it's spelled D-I-C-E-M-B-R-E. Nick December. G'day, Robert. Where is he from? Canada. G'day. That's how it starts. G'day, Robert. Oh, Australia. Yep, he is from Australia. So my name is Nick December from Down Under. Love the Muscle Car Place and Kibby and Finnegan Show podcast. A good friend of mine and myself have also started a podcast down here called Torque Power. It is on iTunes and SoundCloud and hosted on my site. We talk drag racing, V8 supercars, F1, NHRA, NASCAR, and MotoGP. Nice. So if you want to hear the world from a upside-down perspective, go there. TorquePower.net. That's the website. And he, he sent me some other stuff, too, and I it was a little more personal, so I replied to that. But it was very, very nice. So, Nick, thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> Nick, so, Nick December. Yeah, Nick December. <laughs> That's all right, Robert. Well, yeah. I understand. <laughs> I don't know about the upside-down perspective. I think yeah. we're the right way up. We are the right <laughs> way up. Thank you, Robert. But you know but, you know what the problem with that is? Mm. If we're the right way up, that means Tasmania is the top of the world. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> you know, we can't have that. <laughs> One of my personal favourite motorsports is Formula One. Unfortunately, my co-host doesn't see it the same way. So we often have disagreements or, I guess, difference of opinions on... Formula One. Let's just have a listen to a couple of segments that we spoke about regarding Formula One during the year. All right, so so here's a bit of a reality check 
Okay, and this is this is why I don't understand the curs, purs, words, whatever the hell, whatever it is. Right. So the current engines, I'd say there's some restrictions, whether it be boost limit or whatever it is. Okay, but they're how many liters? One point six. One point six. Okay, and we go back to the eighties with our one point five. Mm-hmm. Right, straight turbo, no MKR, curs, burrs, none of that stuff. And they were making 1,300 horsepower. It's incredible, isn't it? And I don't, I don't think they had the pneumatic valve springs or any, any no. of that crap back in those days. No, no. They're probably their fuel injection probably involved some thumb screws or something. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, is is any of that crap? I mean, is it good for the sport? I, I don't think it is. No, I I used to be. I used to be of the opinion um, that Formula One should show you technology. It's interesting that you bring this up. The, the Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, Fernando Alonso and Daniel Ricciardo got together at the start of the year. And they were asked, what would they like to see in Formula One? Let's have a listen to what they said. What would be your uh, wish list, top three wishes for the new owners of F1? Race in Vegas. Race in Germany. I've said mine. <laughs> Miami. Race. <laughs> more ladies in the paddock. Yeah, more, more, more paddock access, access to, uh, to some women. There's too many dudes. V12. V12s. I agree. Do we agree on that? Yeah. Fernando, mm-hmm. your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with, with everything. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Equal engines for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree with that one. <laughs> but not electric. Huh? But not electric. Yeah, and not Honda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to note that uh, the Lewis doesn't want equal engines for everybody. <laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> Especially not Hondas. But it's interesting. Let's write that out. So he said, they said V12 more women involved in the sport more in the team more women involved i kind of disagree with your interpretation there but let's let's be politically correct let's be politically correct (laughs) because i think that's what he meant (coughs) and and at the same time a a race in vegas and a race in vegas (laughs) a race in vegas so let's let's push for that let's say back to a v12 naturally aspirated v12 engine more females more women and a race in Vegas. And and all to have the same engine? No, I don't. I don't, I don't no? I'm not on board with that. No. As long as it's not a Honda. According to everyone there. Yeah. I, look, I, I, um, I just think that with technology like the, you know, uh, recovery, let's call it a, an energy recovery system. Yeah. Um, when you have technology like that, it comes down to who owns the technology, who That's owns right. the most refined version of that technology. And that really doesn't have anything to do with motor racing. Mm. I mean, if we're going to suddenly make that part of motor racing, then like I said, you know, how far away are we from running electric cars? And they made it quite clear that they don't want to see electric. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, the V12, I would imagine, from a driver's perspective, 
would be a more tractable engine than mm. say a 1.5 making 1300 horsepower yeah because um, I tell you what when that boost comes on you know about it yeah yeah <laughs> and I imagine any any turbo that can make 1300 horsepower is going to be a bit laggy down mm. low <laughs> no that's right but yeah I, I don't know um, do you think the V12 era was a good era yeah I do yeah yeah, yeah I was like it the V12 was it even uh, racing? Probably not, not as even <laughs> as what we or what we'd like it to be. But I still think you cannot beat the sound of a V twelve. You go you go anywhere, even if you're out in the streets and you see a V twelve Ferrari or Lamborghini go past, it has no there's no other sound like it. In the oh world. Nick, you know, we we can argue about this till the cows come home, but uh when you hear a 500 cubic inch pro stock motor idling. Oh yeah, well that's that's true as well. I'm talking about the European sort of the the flavour here, V12. But yeah, you're right. I mean, yes, I like the sound of a of a big cube naturally aspirated motor as well. But yeah, anyway, that, that's just my thoughts. And you know what? I'm not the only one that thinks that. I mean, the four of your best drivers there uh, believe the same thing. They would be. They would have to be the four um, best currently yeah, racing. Yeah. 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 The Daniel Ricciardo quote. Oh, I love that red quote. You you pointed that quote, quote out to me. <laughs> Have we got it handy? Hang on, it was here. This is Daniel Ricciardo after winning, which, you know, hats off. Awesome result for uh, Australia. Daniel Ricciardo, well, butter my butt and call me a biscuit. That was a race. <laughs> On Twitter immediately after the race. <laughs> So, a lot of drama in this one, Nick. I actually fell asleep. I'll, <laughs> I'm not joking. I actually fell asleep. It, there was a lot of drama, and I'm not sure if it was good for the sport or bad for the sport. I'm yet to, I'm yet to decide. I, I really don't know. I'm going to hedge my bets both ways. So, for those of you that didn't watch the race, it started off, you know, in the usual fashion, follow the leader. Uh, but unfortunately, for whatever reason... There was a lot of tagging going on. There was a lot of debris. And those F1 cars are that fragile that they just fall apart as soon as they look at each other. So they had to stop. Safety car. Lewis Hamilton was whinging about the safety car going too slow. And uh, they couldn't keep the temperature in the tyres, etc, etc. Uh, this happened a couple of times. And then finally, whether he wants to admit it or not, Lewis decided to um, brake test... Vettel, Vettel. Oh, yeah, it was a great <laughs> test, no doubt. <laughs> According yeah. to him, it wasn't. But but what amazes me is you're whinging that the the safety car's going too slow, and then you decide to you know jump on the brakes, like slow down even more. So anyway, nonetheless, Vettel runs into the back of him, and Vettel decides to do something which is I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> Pulls alongside of him, gives him a bit of a bump. Yep, <laughs> but. Vettel got a 10-second stop-go. Yeah. Incidentally, at the same time as uh, Hamilton was asked to pit. That's correct. Yep. And this all happened after the red flag. So That's correct. When yeah. the red flag came out and all the cars came into the pits, and this is the thing, Formula One, you know, like it's meant to be the pinnacle of motorsport, right? No one knew what the rules were. No. No one knew what they were allowed to do to the cars, what they weren't allowed to do to the cars. Like, some teams were practically rebuilding the cars. <laughs> in the, It was true. I'm yeah. not exaggerating. Uh, putting tyres, new wings, new diffusers, yeah. this, that. Anyway, 
I fell asleep. Yeah. I thought, this is ridiculous. How many times are they going to stop this race? And the commentators, the two English guys, right? Mm. They, they were talking about how exciting it was after the restarts because all the cars were bunched together. And I thought, you know what? Maybe they should just drag race. Yeah. Because they're all bunched <laughs> together then. It's whoever gets to the end of the track first. Anyway. So, uh, yeah. Going from the MotoGP earlier mm. that night, watching that, and then watching the F1, it's understandable why I fell asleep. Yeah. Uh, that has got to be, like, one of the best races of this season, if not the best. And I reckon this championship is probably one of the uh, closest, hardest-fought, most dramatic MotoGP championships mm. it's ever been. Definitely, yeah. Can we just finish off with Formula One? I, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the battles that have been going on if you want yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about let's just have a listen to Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel after the race it definitely sets a president I think not only for it sets a president within Formula 1 I think it also does for, for all the young kids that are watching us Formula 1 drivers drive and conduct ourselves uh, they've seen today how a multiple a four-time world champion behaves and I think uh, hopefully that doesn't ripple into the younger categories um, in terms of how things are penalized how you can do something like that and then still finish fourth I think it's uh, I don't know um, I've not really thought too much about it since I just tried as hard as I could to, to get back up but uh, obviously it's yeah not a great day what happened between you and Lewis behind the safety car? Well, I think you saw. We saw first there was contact from behind. Do you feel that Lewis was driving too slowly? Uh, well, no, the leader dictates the pace, but we were exiting the corner. He was accelerating and then he braked so much that I couldn't... I was braking as soon as I saw, but I couldn't stop in time and ran in the back of him. I think that was just not necessary. And then there was the moment in which you hit him from the side. Lewis says this is a dangerous precedent, not just for Formula One, but also for kids coming through the sport. Uh, well, I think, you know, Formula One is for grown-ups. I think, uh, as I said, the manoeuvre before was not necessary and obviously uh, damaged my front wing, damaged also his rear, I think, a little bit. So I think that was just not the right way to do it, exiting the corner, accelerating and then braking. Um, I don't think there was any point of doing that. <laughs> do we really have to talk about this? You know, Formula One <laughs> is for grown-ups. That is the statement we're going to take away from this race. There was one other sound clip, please just do me... I just want to play this one as well. This is Sebastian in car when they gave him the 10-second stop go. We have a 10 second stop and go penalty for dangerous driving and we need to pay it into laps for now. What did I do with dangerous driving then? Can you give me an explanation when I did dangerous driving? Uh, no. We, we speak after now, keep your head down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had a, a real good chuckle all over the weekend. Um, you know, I never really liked Sebastian. When he came over to Ferrari, you know, I had to adopt him as a hands kind of thing. But Ah, come on, man. You've you, you got to admit that 
it, it was ballsy for him to do what he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And it was funny to watch. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. You know, I just think that they are all just a bunch of spoiled brats and they really need to get into something like a door slammer and drive it and grow some balls. Because, <laughs> you know, it's all, like all the bullshit with the restart, whether there's a safety car there or not, what's the other one they call the... Uh, Virtual, virtual, virtual safety car. Safety car. The guy who's in front, especially if it's a git like Hamilton, right? He's going to try and do whatever he can to get an advantage. So he's going to slow right down, make sure the guy's in the wrong gear behind him, whatever, whatever he can do to to stuff the guy out behind him. And that's the thing. Like these guys aren't out for a fair race. They're just out there to win by whatever hmm. you know it is now. I was stoked when you... And and seriously, I did fall asleep. So I was stoked when I found out that Ricardo won. Yeah, yeah. Even if it was a Stephen Bradbury move. It was. Nonetheless, he won, (laughs) right? Because that kid there, I like him. I I think that he's great for the sport. He's Mm. very charismatic. And I still don't get why he's not driving a Ferrari. Mm. No, neither do I. (laughs) I should add also that first recording regarding the Formula One and the future has never been aired before. That was a piece that I had left over from, I think it was episode three, and um, we never found a home for it. So um, there you go. That was one that we've never played before. Moving along, one of the things we spoke about being from Western Australia were changes to, well, said changes that were in the wind, I guess you could say, to the licensing, or in particular VSB 14. Let's just have a listen to that. Anyway, so I, I just wanted to start with um, uh, a lot has happened in the last two days, mm-hmm. um, and that included getting a phone call yesterday. Wow! From the Commodore owner. Oh, really? Yeah. The the one that we we may have offended someone. No, I don't think we. I think what we did inadvertently, or maybe deliberately, we vilified him. Mm. And I've got to be honest with you, Nick. In this story, I don't see this man as a villain. Mm. I actually see him as the hero. Mm. Right. Oh, but we did. We did in the last podcast. We did. We called him uh, the DH word a number of times. Well, so which we've had to edit out. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what? I take it all back. Yeah, I take it all back. You know, there is a saying that there is always two sides to the story, mm-hmm. and um, obviously, I presented the you know a a, uh, a spokesperson. I guess let's let's call mm. call him from the Department of Transport. Um, but now I've spoken to the owner of the car. I mm-hmm. don't know his name. I yep. actually said to him, "Look, I don't want to know what your name is." Mm. I, you know, so oh, we, maybe, we didn't say his name in the podcast anyway. Well, I don't so. know what his name yep. is. Yep. I don't. I actually mm. have that information, and uh, I don't want that information because it's it's uh, uh, irrelevant who it is. Um, it's how it happened. So basically. And, and you know, I've been told this. Obviously, I've put in some crazy applications over the years. I've been told that you can't go outside of the guidelines of VSB 14, mm. right? That was the letter of the law, mm. shall we say, the policy, right? Um, well, apparently you can. And okay. apparently it happens on a quite a regular basis. Now, why does it happen? Um, who makes the decision, right? It's kind of like when West Coast used to play Geelong mm-hmm. and Gary Ablett used to come out and hit someone and no one got a free kick, right? You're looking for consistency in umpiring. Now, mm. that wasn't fair to the Eagles. And I guess this situation, 
uh, wasn't really fair to him. So he presented the argument to the Department of Transport that I am prepared to do whatever it takes to get this car registered, right? And they weren't interested. They weren't interested in any engineering, structural... He offered to do twist tests. He offered to do whatever they wanted. Mm -hmm. You tell me what you want done and I'll do it. I don't agree with it. But yep. I'll do it because this is what I want. I want this this combination of of engine transmission and differential in this body stock, mm -hmm. right? So, aside from you know what we discussed, the Audi deal, he sent the application off to South Australia, and it was approved immediately. Yeah, right. So armed with that, he said, "Well, how come it's all right there, and it's not all right here?" And really, the ombudsman was out of sheer frustration after more than two years of trying to get some sort of sensible answer out of the Department of Transport. They basically just wouldn't reply to his emails or yeah. letters anymore. It would be very difficult for this government, for this state government, to pull off giving us stricter laws than the rest of Australia. And there would be, uh, there would definitely be the opportunity to take this further mm. from a legal perspective because why should something that's deemed legal in New South Wales or South Australia or Queensland be deemed illegal in Western Australia? Yeah. So it's, yeah, once again, it's a watch this space. Um, the, the, the comment that he made that I think is very valid is, remember I uh, discussed that the, uh, the RAC were, and the MTA were involved in, mm. in this process now. Um, the RAC will not register modified vehicles Right, even modified late model vehicles that are permitted, mm. right? So they shouldn't really, no, not shouldn't really, they shouldn't at all be involved in this discussion because if they're not prepared to license those vehicles, why would they say to the Department of Transport, well, here's a set of guidelines that mm. we're happy with when yeah. they, they won't accept any modifications to a vehicle at all? Mm. So I think that it would be wise of the Department of Transport to talk to Shannon's because yep. they specialise in the insurance of vehicles like that. Mm. And unlike the RAC, they're not going to say, oh, no, we, you know, we're, not, we're not for this. We think this is, uh, you know. There's also a number of statistics uh, that uh, are being compiled at the moment. And uh, I, I haven't seen them as yet. I've only been briefed on them. And... It's fairly evident that people who modify cars and do it legally are the safest drivers on the on the road. Oh, I have no doubt about that. Absolutely, no one's so. Yeah. Well, that's that's the latest with the the VSB fourteen saga at this point in time. Yep. Truth be known, that's actually one of our highest rating episodes. That one where we discussed the VSB fourteen and the um, even the previous episode. Over the year, we also had a bit of tongue in cheek, and we made up. Some segments that worked well, some that probably didn't. The Eurovision Motorsport con song contest was probably one of my favourites. Didn't really pan out that well, but I thought I'd just give it a special run in our best of. Nick, I, I, you know, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a topical guy, right? Yep. Eurovision. Yeah, Eurovision. <laughs> Eurovision. Why are we in Europe? Did Australia become part of Europe? No, I don't think so. But we, we, when did we come in? It was a couple of years ago, I reckon. So maybe a few years ago. It always seems to be people that uh, 
uh, win on these uh, game shows or whatever they Yeah, well, we had Guy Australia. Yeah, you know what? You're exactly right. It was Guy, <laughs> Sebastian, Guy Sebastian, that's then it. Then Dami Im, and then this year was Isaiah, and uh, you'll have to forgive me, but I don't Shout remember. out to Dami. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the world uh, motorsport bodies are going to get together. Have you heard? Then we're gonna, they're going to have a motorsport... Uh, version of the Eurovision Song Contest. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, representing Formula One from Germany, we have Sebastian Vettel. Yep. <laughs> Not much to say there. No. From Finland, representing WA World Rally Championship, we have Tony Gardemeister. Let's have a listen to Tony here. Well, I hope he drives better than. Uh, I, I really uh, one of my favourites from MotoGP, and he's representing Italy. Let's let's just listen into Valentino Rossi here. Ho visto Maradona, ho visto Maradona. Oh, mamma, innamorato son. Is there anything that he can't do, Nick? No, no. You know, that was pretty good, I thought. I thought that was, that was pretty good. Um, over in the US, they've, they've actually been allowed in as well. So representing NASCAR from the US, we have Matt Kenseth. You know what? If Bruce Springsteen ever retires, mm. Mm, Matt's in there with a chance. No, that was, that was terrible, I reckon, for Matt. That was, he's... he's um, let, let, Matt, let your driving do the talking. <laughs> but I think I, my personal opinion is that Dami and, and uh, Azai, they're in a world of trouble because I think, I think we have, representing V8 supercars from Australia, I think Craig Lowndes has their measure. Let, let's just listen into Craig Lowndes here, belt out, Eye of the Tiger. And that's why he drives a Holden. <laughs> I, I cannot understand how he did not know the words of either Tiger. What is, is he? What, he's, he's my age, Craig Lowndes, and I he was brought up on either the Tiger. <laughs> he should have been. Seriously, Craig, either the Tiger, learn it. <laughs> have you seen the new combi? I have, and I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not that. Um. Impressed. <laughs> no, I, it's different. Let's put it that way. I guess we've got to be going down that sort of path. It kind of looked to me. It looks like they've crossed a beetle with a combi. Yeah, made yeah. like a bombi. It does look like that. Yeah. Is that you know? Is that maybe that, bombi. that bombi? That's what they should be called, bombonieri. <laughs> um, you know what I I thought is uh, if I've got this right. Uh, they they are claiming you can charge it in thirty minutes. Yeah. 
That is incredible. But look, look at the lithium-ion battery in it. 111 kilowatt hours. That's phenomenal. 150 kilowatt electric motor. Hang on, they can. They could be in jeopardy of not getting on the road in WA as well. No, no chance. No chance. <laughs> VSB, it's 150 at each end. It's 300 kilowatts, Nick. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm... It's, no chance. It's done, no chance. Though, you will cooked. not be it's able done. to register this under VSB 14. <laughs> Reader? Get on to it. <laughs> this is as green as you get, as PC as you get. 160 k's an hour. Yeah, it, it blew me away when I saw it. But look, I mean, it's. it's I want to know what it does zero to a hundred. Uh, no, that wasn't in there. Oh, that, they're claiming about five seconds, but uh, you know how how about is it? Yeah, three and a half yeah, five seconds. seconds there it is. <laughs> yeah, just get on the website and Google it. It's um, funny looking vehicle. I get see. I've never been into the combi thing, so. Probably that's why I'm tainted in some ways. Um, you know, you know the irony, right? Mm. So, so the 21 window, or whatever it is, is the pinnacle of of combi. The split window, yeah. 21 window. <laughs> Shit. Where? What was that? Do we need to look? Fit in now. I tell you what, that scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> Nick had to go and uh, do a wardrobe change there. <laughs> Had a wardrobe <laughs> malfunction. <laughs> Aged a couple of years. <laughs> anyway, so the the twenty one window, yeah, right, split window, whatever the hell, safari, whatever the hell they call mm. them. Um, I've seen those things go in in excess of three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, the right. big bucks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so here's a little bit of a story, right? Mm. My cousins and I, we used to buy them for anywhere from twenty to fifty dollars. Right, we used to rip the transmissions out of them because yep. they they got reduction boxes. Right, we used to use them in the beach buggies, and um, the rest of them used to either get filled up with rubbish and taken to the tip, or um, used as dog kennels, uh, chicken coops. All yeah, right, <laughs> the amount of those combis that we cut up. So, fast forward to now, my brother's got one. Yep, he's got Is one. Really? Yeah, yeah, he's got a. It's not a twenty-one window. It's yeah. a. Uh, but it's slammed and it's, you know, yeah, got okay. the, the two litre or whatever. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. Well, no, <laughs> might get knocked back on VSP 14. <laughs> no, it's a 1200. It's a, actually, it might be an 1100. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, yeah, it, it's incredible that they, and, you know, I reckon the reason they're worth so much money is because there's not many of them left because mm. we destroyed so many yeah. of them. So there we have it, everyone. Look, we're an hour and 54 into this podcast. My apologies. I um, I knew it was going to take a little while, but um, maybe we could have cut back on a little bit of it. But in my mind, that's our best of. So there you have it. Look, it goes without saying I can't do this podcast without our co-host, Simon Gonzo Travellini. Without him, it just doesn't happen or it won't happen. So a big, big thanks to him. He's an integral part of this show. And, um, yeah, without him... We just can't do it. Also, our sponsors that have helped us out with a Camry, that's getting very close now. So they are All Fast Tall Converters, Shift Kits Australia, WA Suspensions, Benzene Detailing, SCM Race Engines and Performance, BG Mechanical, Keys Transmissions, Monster Talk, Overboost, 
Mac 1 air conditioning, challenge batteries, OTR tyres, performance turbos. And basically, you guys, our fans. Without you guys, we can't do it. We really appreciate all your commentary that you give us. Um, and please share us on Facebook. Get people to like us on Facebook. Share us to your friends. Um, subscribe. Tell a friend about us on iTunes as well. It's really appreciated. Everything you can do to get our name out there is really appreciated. There's two more people I need to thank that I haven't thanked at all this year. Um, they're not on the show. They don't really get involved with the show. However, without these two people, we can't do what we do. And that is my good wife, Linda DeCembri, and also Simon's wife, Nicole Travellini. Um, they, they have supported us to the nth degree, and their support is really appreciated. Um, every second Tuesday night, Simon has to leave home or I go to his workshop and uh, we do this recording and you know a lot of time gets put into this and there's no questions asked from our wives their support is really appreciated so thank you girls really appreciate it anyway thanks for listening we'll be back in two weeks time with a run-of-the-mill but well not run-of-the-mill but our general podcast and Simon will be back in the seat so we look forward to seeing you then Best wishes for 2018, everyone. Take care. Talking power, stresses, all characters and events on this podcast, even those based on real people, are entirely fictional. All celebrity voices are impersonated poorly. We do not encourage street racing or the use of turbochargers.